James Joyce. I don't know. I just for the first time noticed that you have the full name instead of just uh, JJ. And this, this is going to mess up but my, uh, you know, my intention to string all the Jim Joyces together. <laughs> no, but but you know, um, at the same time though, I don't know if you ever seen that uh, graphic of startup life where it's like. <laughs> oh yay! Right. So the James will be the OAA. Oh, yeah. We gotta switch it up. We gotta switch it up. We gotta so switch it up, man. How are you this fine Wednesday? <laughs> it's Wednesday. Right. Hump day. Right. Was looking forward to this. Hundred percent. Every Wednesday, I really don't know what we're gonna do after we, you know, wrap this up. End of October ish. I don't know. We'll yeah. decide. I'm gonna yeah. need to get another hobby. Or start cheating on you, <laughs> right? Right, right, right. We'll see, we'll see, yeah, maybe we'll see what happens. Um, before we get to our guests, so we're kind of hopping back over, you know, from US uh, to EU again. Um, just I think again, I, I've been so like, I had no idea what's going on politically, I had no idea, like in the last week, just you know, just yeah. coming up for air. And I just saw something, um, uh, Aaron Broadwin from uh, Stat News just published that I know the news is all out there. Maven um, it just hmm. became a billion company, right? Uh, so yeah. that's like a big news. Kudos to the team there. Um, yeah. And then we'll leave the rest to our friends, uh, uh, Matthew and Jess. So right. that's it. And anything from you? I don't know. Any any news? How are you doing? What's going oh, on? Yeah. No, help me. Yeah, no, we're, we're up to a lot. <laughs> Not all of it public. We're up to I a lot. I hear you. I hear you. Public. Maybe someday it will be all public. <laughs> we'll see. You know, it, yeah. as, as things mature, you you get them out there, right? So all, right. all good. Exactly. I was more thinking about your 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 mental health and how, because I know you've also been like, you know, just landed on Monday or something and just, you know, craziness, right? So yeah, you know, just off of, like it was great. I just off a of plane Sunday. Monday night had a bit of have a bit of jet lag in me you know that's kind of I, I miss it a little bit you know miss being on the on the plane so um so I've done my I've done my traveling anyway so let's get our guests yep. in we'll <laughs> all right last uh, not that there's any really room anymore I'm really looking forward to uh my fireside chat with uh, Glenn Tolman cool. tomorrow it's happening um you know um uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm super excited it will be in person. Um, we've sort of, you know, cut down on the number of people that can be, I mean, um, and obviously going to ask kindly for people to wear masks. Uh, it's not a you know requirement from a state law in New York, uh, but, you know, we will ask kindly. And of course, I will lead by example until I'm talking to Glenn. Anyway, okay. let's get uh, Tobias Silbaton in. He's a partner at McKinsey um, in Germany, but I'll, you know, we'll let him give us his his uh, full introduction and history about him and his passions there he is tobias hello hey tobias jim jim tobias pleasure i to don't know if you guys too. have met and you don't go it's it's tobias not tobias that's the right well i'm i'm married to an english lady so half of the family says tobias and uh, but i would say tobias uh, but I, I i'm fine either way I, well, I probably even me. butchered your last name too, even though mine is not any easier. So, uh, <laughs> but no worries at all. But Good give us your house life. Uh, you know, we kind of did the little, you know, up, down, sideways, <laughs> pushing along. Just right, we're looking. Know. We were looking forward to you. Eugene's been talking about your phenomenal background uh, in the whole area of 
health and digital health and McKinsey. And so we're looking yeah. for you to kind of pump up our Wednesday. We're, we're going to suck uh, your energy out was, a bit. I thought he was talking about my virtual background, but uh, <laughs> the background that too. That too. So tell, tell our millions of listeners and viewers who you are and how you came to doing health tech stuff at McKinsey. Cool, yeah, happy to, and uh, thanks for having me. Thanks for the invitation. Well, I, I guess, um, I guess from a professional perspective, I'm a biochemist, immunologist, and um, yeah, and a person just who who was thinking about it, uh, what to do with the second half of their career a few uh, a few years back, and um, and uh, then I decided, having had lots of uh, health issues in in my family, cancer and and other stuff. Um, and being a, a, a biomedical researcher that uh, for me it's both meaningful and exciting to uh, dedicate the, the second half of my career to uh, healthcare innovation which these days is a lot of digital health and health tech second half like so what were you 12 up you look like five <laughs> like you know, yeah. <laughs> well, my, you know you know, my, my wife is a fashion designer, so she recently said, uh, what, what, I, what am I planning to do about my gray hair? But uh, I'm, I'm happy that it doesn't really show up on uh, Zoom. I, I thought also she like helps you set up with the best way you look, with the lighting, the background, you know, all of that as well. So, but you um, know. we we are just about to have our ten year wedding anniversary, and I can tell you, I got a lot of free fashion advice in the last ten years. Um, Excellent. <laughs> As a consultant would say, uh, my wife thought that there was a lot of improvement potential. So where are you calling us from, Tobias? Uh, I'm in Berlin. I'm in Berlin. Okay. Um, okay. okay. And, and you're originally you're originally from Berlin? Yeah, Berlin. I'm, originally I'm from a tiny village in the south of Germany. It's uh, 200 people and... Um, yeah, it's a very rural place, uh, but um, yeah, now now I live in Berlin. Met my British wife in London uh, when I, do, I did research, and um, yeah, I work pretty much across Europe on on healthcare innovation topics, um, uh, mostly with digital health companies, medtech companies, pharma companies, uh, sometimes ministries of health, and uh, yeah, topic-wise, it's usually somewhere between R and D and product development and um, and commercialization and business building at the other end of the spectrum and um yeah and, and privately um married two kids uh, as said um we just had a big milestone our son uh, started school on on monday um and uh, yeah and back from holiday so i guess now the second half of the year has uh, seriously started um back from holiday <laughs> i, um, I uh, I then did uh, something that uh, I haven't done for a while in the pandemic flying. I was at the HIMSS conference last uh, last week in Las Vegas, my first flight in a year. Oh, wow. Uh, were you there as well? We, we, we did not go, uh, at least, that, well, I know you didn't either. So we, yeah. we did not choose to attend. So how was it? Was it? Yeah, tell us. Yeah, it was, it, it was amazing. Um, of course, for a, for a German the person. The Vegas who, uh, part or the HIMSS part? <laughs> yeah, I, I was just saying for a for for a German person who uh, who uh, went to Las Vegas for the first time in their life, right? That was also an experience. Um, but you know, I love the conference, and um, you know, seeing where where sort of digital health is going, um, both with the the young companies, but also then with the more established companies, and um, but then also just to get together with people, right? This was the first time in a year that I 
that I actually yeah. uh, so um, yeah, it was a was a great um, great event, and um, yeah, I, I will, I'm particularly excited about the the new Hymns Accelerate platform, right? Uh, that's a, I'm not sure whether you've heard about it. It's a platform where they try to bring the global healthcare community together. Um, so, um, so that's what I'm also currently playing around uh, with. Um, and um, yeah, it's a bit like LinkedIn purely for healthcare people as a base functionality, yeah. right? And then there are different domains, uh, one domain around training, professional development, right? Um, physician education, nurse education, health IT education. Then there's a whole other domain, which I personally find most exciting, uh, uh, the digital transformation domain, right? Trying to bring together sort of demand um, of digital transformation like hospitals, health systems, integrated delivery networks with the supply side of digital transformation and sort of um, uh, and bring a little bit more order into the chaos, I guess. Um, and then of course, also some research insights, thought leadership. Um, so that was sort of uh, what, I, what I actually really liked uh, seeing. Before we dive into digital transformation, because actually I want your, your, your thoughts on this. Um, yeah, I know Vegas is typically, you know, what happens here stays here kind of thing. But can you tell us? <laughs> and you're like, can you tell us? Uh, like, I don't know if there was like an exciting thing, like the big aha moment from the actual conference, some interesting company that, and I'm not asking you to pick, but like, or a trend, something that was kind of the big aha, or or was but, the accelerate something that was kind of your go to. Yeah, the, the accelerate piece was um, <clears throat> was I would say the, the the thing that I found really cool, and then um, the um, the other stuff, you know, I I look across digital health and my sort of you know way of thinking about sort of twenty five different categories, right, from online appointment booking to patient remote monitoring, clinical decision support, telemedicine, and digital therapy. So I'm I'm sort of looking at that, and I'm. I, I'm excited to see how it increasingly merges, right? Uh, what was sort of 25 very separate categories um, um, a few years ago is now increasingly merging into these broader digital health ecosystems, right? Where then, you know, some of them are being built in the US, some of them are being built in Europe. And then when I look in Asia, uh, right there, you know, they have reached already quite an enormous scale, right? If we right. look at some of the ecosystems out there, 300 million, 400 million people being served with a set of digital health services and often also then uh, sort of tying that around the brick and mortar kind of services. Um, that's something that I find exciting. And I guess to conclude uh, the, the intro, right? Um, what I don't also no, find- we're, we're, never, we're never gonna conclude the intro. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, sort of We're just gonna... um, I guess maybe the, the other um, nugget, nugget and where then it was a lot of catching up is uh, the health tech network um, that uh, that I've had the pleasure of leading for a few years. That is, um, yeah, it, when I started that, um, or I rather took it over, it was not my idea. Um, it was sort of a mini network of 30 British digital health companies, I think four or five years ago. And then I was asked whether I would take over when my colleague was uh, going on secondment. And then I, I asked a few health tech CEOs sort of what would be helpful for you? Um, and then they said, Tobias, please don't start another pitch event. Um, we, they, they felt at least the European ones that I knew well that uh, there are enough of them or, um, they are right, nothing against pitch events. Um, 
read it, then they said, but it would be nice to have something where health tech CEOs and founders can discuss with each other um, what life really is like, right? Since pitch events, um, uh, it's often a bit competitive, right? And um, uh, everyone seems to claim that they are close to world domination and, and stuff like that. Um, so then I just thought, well, why don't we do that? Um, and so I, I started doing that and without really thinking a lot, I set it up as a global health tech network. And now retrospectively, that's what seemed to have resonated with uh, with people, right? Because from that tiny British health tech network of 30 companies, now we are almost at 1,000 uh, health tech uh, companies globally, right? And it's sort of 25 regional groups from Canada to Australia. And uh, of course, then there was also a lot of catching up uh, with uh, with those folks um, um, at, uh, at HIPS21. And, uh, and that's great to see how quickly these <clears throat> companies grow up, right? And I'm a bit of a person in that triangle between sort of the, the young emerging digital health companies, right? The pharma and medtech companies that are very, you know, established yep. um, companies. And then a bit like also the ministries of health here in Europe. Right? In that sense, it's just amazing to see how quickly these tech companies grow up, right? Um, that's why I, I also don't call it a startup network anymore, right? Because, um, yep. you know, Every exactly. other week, there's another um, IPO, SPAC deal, or merger. <laughs> and so in that sense, uh, it would be deeply unfair to call uh, these uh, this industry segment startups anymore. So uh, that's what I'm also excited about, just seeing them grow up and uh, taking meaningful roles and actually creating a benefit for, for citizens and, and, uh, and, and patients. So, and, and Jim, I, you know, I'm sure there's so much to unpack in the health tech network. I do want to maybe jump uh, well, actually, let's let's stick with the health tech network, right? So I, I think uh, when you and I caught up, Tobias, a couple of months back, um, you kind of told me about it. It's interesting. I'm I'm always a little bit challenged, right? Because a network, um, you know, when you're part of such a large network, right? Can you mention, right? A thousand. At the end of the day, you know, Jim and I catch up. There's, you know, just as an example, right? There's entrepreneurs, yeah. you sort of building the companies together, you, you know, lean on each other. And I think, you know, part of that, uh, uh, some of that is artificial in a sense, when there's a network created, like, how do you find it? And there's other, you know, the, every accelerator has some kind of a set of sessions. So I'm just curious, like how you seen a lot of this developing because it is people work with people and relationships, right? So, yeah. Yeah. Like maybe talk a little about the, the engagement between the entrepreneurs in the health tech yeah. network. Yeah, yeah. So there's been quite a few. <clears throat> there are a few network effects that I, you know, that that I find um, um, impressive. How <laughs> surprising and impressive um, as they they unfold. Right. First of all, I, I just thought that this is for health tech CEOs and founders. Right. And as that network grew. And people seem to like together, right? And, you know, there was still a bit of that, you know, I'm the lonely CEO and founder and the burden of this company and the fundraising is all on me, right? And, and I then meet other people and can, can sort of share experience with them. Um, I think that was one part that people seem to like. Uh, the, the other part was also just to share real experiences, right? Because often, you know, towards accelerators, right? everyone talks about their successes, right? We also often talk about <laughs> you know, whether a company also spent two years negotiating with another entity and then nothing really came from that. Um, so in that sense, we tried it really to set it up in a collegial friendly atmosphere. But the other thing that I was, um, that I was surprised about um, was that then 
as the health tech network grew then and, and also with the digital health picking up increasingly lots of other people became interested in that right so there are actually now two networks there is the health tech network with a you know roughly a thousand ceos right now and then there is another community that doesn't really have a name we just call it the friends of the network right and that's now also almost 300 people and i would say half of them are investors who are then of course interested in getting in touch with um, uh, cool entrepreneurs and the other half are all sorts of other digital health leaders right like digital health leaders of a pharma company meta company health insurance yep. the hospital incubators accelerators ministries of health newspapers etc and and that's what i find fascinating that there are then collaborations being brokered and um, people just you know also between the ceos right uh, increasingly with these health ecosystems emerging right there are increasingly partnerships between the telemedicine ceo and then the diagnostic at home ceo or the diagnostic yeah. platform ceo and uh, so in that sense um, you know they don't see each other and I, I like that a lot of british ceos said at our last in person round table uh, before the the pandemic uh, broke out that uh, you know that you know, it's a, it's such a big space, right? The health system and and the chronic diseases and and um, and um, and yeah. there's actually, if we put a few of those things together, or if a few of those things put would be put together into sort of a bigger ecosystems or whatever we want to call it, um, then um, it would be actually beneficial for our society, for the companies, right? And uh, an example of. Um, that I quite like this, that some of the non-for-profits that um, that I see, um, for example, in the tuberculosis uh, space, the top, uh, Stop TB, right, they are creating or almost curating right, an ecosystem where they've looked at what are different um, digital health companies that actually can help make a difference uh, for people with tuberculosis, right, especially right. also then in low and middle income countries, and they almost put together that set of companies where they say, well, this is a company that uh, can do this very well in the tuberculosis space, and this is another company, and they almost play a curator role, right, and this yep. was something that I would have never expected when we started uh, four or five years ago. It, it, you know, it's, it's an interesting comment you make, right, as far as, like, I think entrepreneurs uh, sometimes gloss over the nonprofits, but just because they're not-for-profit entities, that doesn't mean that they don't have money and needs, right, and, and problems to solve. So I think that's something that entrepreneurs overlook. Jim, I, I was going to go back to the a little bit of the consulting and digital transformation and sort of my my own experience. I remember coming into a large pharma, as, as, as both of you guys know, and I remember asking the question almost every day, what does digital and digital transformation mean to you as an individual in this company? And if I ask 100 people, I would ask, I would get almost 100 different answers because it's looking at their silo function, et cetera, which is great for consultants like companies like McKinsey. It's, you know, the more sort of ecosystem stuff that looks on the slide is how do you put it all together and how do you advise? But I'm, I'm actually curious, you know, in from Hims or from your last number of years, McKinsey, how is it, at least for life sciences, how you guys are looking at this as a digital transformation? What is it? Well, I think there are a few <clears throat> levels, right? I'll, I'll focus on, on, on three, right? There is the country angle, right? And I'm extremely excited about that from just that citizen perspective, how then, you know, if we think about it, the future of health, right? How four things come together, right? We've got all these traditional medical interventions, right? Like the implants yep. and the 
you know, and the exams, etc. But then we've got then we've got now 20, 30, 50, depending on how we granular we go, digital health solutions, right? Patient remote monitoring, telemedicine, et cetera. Then we've got the whole angle of health and well-being, which uh, we should also yeah. talk about a, a bit, where then, you know, sleep, nutrition, fitness, stress management, and uh, keeping people healthy and happy. And then we've got the whole precision medicine genomics type stuff, right? Where then countries like Denmark with our National Genome Center, they are already thinking about how can we actually do a personalized health system? And so in that sense, the digital transformation on a country level, I find it incredibly exciting. How do we, and with we, I mean pretty much any country, how do we want to rethink healthcare so that it actually creates benefits for our citizens and um, and, um, and, and our system, right? Then there is the second level, which is the company digital transformation, right? Where then you can have digital products and services, you can have digital digitized processes like digital R&D, yeah. right? It's sort of internal digitization and then you can have digital customer engagement, which is uh, of course also a massive topic, right? And that's sort of happening with pharma and medtech companies and there I'm, you know, I'm supporting a medtech company on their digital transformation. And then finally, there is the digital transformation of the citizen, right? And uh, that is something that, that I'm also thinking very much about because I lead the health and well-being initiative for McKinsey Germany in Austria, right? So I think about, you know, it's a bit more than 3,000 people, right? Where it's like, okay, these are citizens, right? These are in many cases healthy, right? Where then yep. we think, but how can actually digital help a person like Eugene or, or Jim, right? To be happier, healthier, and stay healthy, right? Um, I have an answer. <laughs> everybody I, I need, everybody I needs a, a health coach. Everybody I needs have a person to lean on. <laughs> I, I, I thought we were all going to go to Vegas. I thought that was the answer. <laughs> hey, whatever we, happens there stays there. Right. Shall we conference in a, a health coach too? Yeah. So of these, of these thousand, you know, so sorry to take it back a little bit, but of the thousand CEOs that you're interacting with, how many of them, did they all go to Vegas? Well, there, there were quite a few American ones, right? But the European ones generally generally didn't um, didn't go. And was, um, every, and was everything so? So are you know of these like so? And you mentioned this really quickly going before. Just sorry to bring it back to the health tech network. Is for these like since you have such a uh, a sense of these CEOs, are they all being offered buyouts for SPACs right now, or how are you looking at that? <laughs> Well, I just spoke with uh, one CEO of the health tech net, one of the German ones yesterday, and he was like, um, <clears throat> you know, just doing a financing round and he's being proactively contacted by VCs without him reaching out, but VCs reaching out and, and asking uh, him whether he wants to uh, work with them. Uh, so, right. and, and I've also heard from, right, there are more than 100 VCs as friends of the network, right? I also heard that, um, you know, they, they see though sometimes uh, CEOs pretty much sending around term sheets and saying, you know, this is sort of what we offer. Do you want to be part of it? So in that sense, um, you know, it's currently um, a quite uh, an interesting situation. Wild, wild, wild west. Wild, wild and how are, west. And, and as a digital transformation, like how are you? How are you guys looking at that? Like with that whole, because this seems such an unusual time right now. Like for you know, like I, you know, if you're doing digital transformation and you're building this health tech network, like what an interesting time where all this money's been raised and they have to do acquisitions in a relatively tight period of time. Like how 
are you, you know, advising on that or what's your, what's your take on that space right now? Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's different things, right? So we are, we are doing quite a bit of uh, health tech business building work, right? And that can mean either <clears throat> that we help start up scale, right? And, um, that is one of the things that we are very excited about helping tech companies scale. And, you know, I'm part of the health tech uh, piece, right? Uh, then a good friend of mine is uh, leading our biotech uh, piece. But then there's also corporate business building in the health tech and digital health space, right? Where then increasingly now retailers, mobile phone companies, all mm -hmm. sorts of companies, right, are, are um, <clears throat> trying to... to um, to enter the health tech space. And I've also had the pleasure to advise some of them, you know, very established companies in one industry now entering healthcare and building that. That is sort of a lot of the, the work that I've been doing over the last uh, a couple of years, right? Plus then the, the more, I would say, classical digital transformation work where you are working with a, a, a med tech company, a, a pharma company, a health insurance or a hospital on their digital transformation, right? That is both going on. Um, we are also working a lot with um, with um, digital health companies on their growth strategies and, and equity stories and, um, you know, that part of the scaling, right? You know, there is the physical business yeah. building part of the scaling, right, where I would be providing, I don't know, software developers or, or IT architecture people or designers, right, physical designers. So the more classical corporate finance strategy work. Um, so that's a bit the kind of work that uh, that that I do. But yeah, so you're not because I, I haven't. I have to admit, I, other than reading about it in the news and a few friends of mine being, I haven't got drawn too much into this. And you, like Eugene, you haven't really got drawn into the whole SPAC thing. Like, I mean, we just mention it every time you and I talk on Wednesdays <laughs> here. <laughs> but but I, I mean, look, you know, everybody has their view on the SPACs, right? Uh, I think it's a it's a good vehicle. Some people think it's for B-rated companies. Some people say it's the way to go, right? I think there'll be fans and there'll be naysayers just like for everything else we do. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm personally a little bit skeptical on, on the SPACs for earlier stage sort of digital companies. I do think that, you know, if you have a sound uh, business and the economics are there, why not go through an IPO process? I, like, yes, it will cost amazing. money. It, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, you're paying 10% to the SPAC owners anyway, right? So, you know, it can, I, I don't know. It, it, I, I think we can probably argue or debate it or whatever, right. you know, for an hour just yeah. on that alone. But, you know, I think what's exciting about it, and, and then I, I want to ask you, just you're sitting in Berlin there. And, you know, so I think it's just fantastic that there's all this capital, right? Like it's whether, wherever you, you know, whether it's IPOs or venture capital or, um, you know, mergers and acquisitions or, you know, uh, SPAC deals is exciting that there's so much attention being played at this. And I think then one of the other things that's really exciting is, is what's going on in Germany, you know, with DIGA, where the government has turned around and tried to, you know, back digital health companies with like regulations. And so what's, what's your, are you looking at that or what's your take on the whole DIGA pro progress? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. It's actually, that's a, and this wasn't scripted, right? But uh, it's actually the focus chapter of this year's eHealth Monitor. Right? It's None of it is. Book. Sorry, Tobias. I think you've noticed we're very meticulously unproduced. <laughs> we're all, we're all over the map and, and pulling you. Yeah. No. Uh, so <clears throat> and yeah, yeah. So you know that the, the eHealth Monitor is a is a book that um, that um, 
you know, a couple of people, including myself, have uh, have started. It's an annual book, right? It's a little bit like an annual report kind of thing. Where does the the digital transformation of the German health system stand overall, right? Because the um, you know, we, we, we thought, um, what was it, almost two years back, right, that there are all those surveys and here an article, there an article, right, but there was no real sort of overview, and, uh, right, and so in that sense, we, we do that now annually, right, the next one will now also be a real book, right, uh, we, were, we were contacted by a publisher after we sort of self-printed the first report, and uh, the publisher said, you know, that the book is really nice, but why did you do such a terrible job in self-printing, right, it looks like an advertising brochure, why don't we do that as a real book? So now the next one will be a proper book. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the cool thing I feel is that, uh, you know, tracking the sort of annual progress about the digital transformation of a health system, um, right, there is then, um, there is then the, the, the regulatory piece uh, where, of course, there have been quite a few laws in the last few years, right? Then there is the, the infrastructure piece. There is the... the um, the demand piece, there is the, the acceptance piece, there is the usage piece, right? And then me as a, both a biomedical scientist and a citizen, I'm most excited about the, the benefit and the evidence, right? And, yeah. and you know, of course, <clears throat> interoperability and cybersecurity and data privacy and all of that, it's all very important, right? But for me as a citizen and also for me as a person who leads a health and well-being program, right? I usually don't get to data security and cybersecurity and, and, you know, these clauses, right? Because I look at something usually in the first step about what is the benefit that this brings, right? And often then, you know, we don't find, now if we look at it from a health and well-being perspective, right, we often then don't find that much benefit in quite a few things. And then we never need to go into the cybersecurity, right? But if we look at the benefit and the value from a health system level, <clears throat> then I think the story becomes very interesting, right? Um, you know, it, it of course, digital health then helps people change their behavior, which is then, of course, a massive deal um, with coaching, but also with chronic diseases. Um, and, um, <clears throat> and um, you know, then, Jim, I usually then look a little bit less around how much money is being invested. I try to look at what is the value that a certain digital health category can bring to the health system, right? So if we take, for example, patient remote monitoring as an example, right? And when we look at all the, uh, the, the academic literature about patient remote monitoring, and then if you would say, if that was 100% implemented in a country like Germany, it would of course help a right. lot of people change their behavior sustainably which is currently difficult by meeting a doctor 10 to 15 minutes um, a shot right but uh, from a system level just if the if the published academic evidence uh, at this current level would come true it would be a 3.3 billion euro uh, saver and now coming back to your question so so if 3.3 billion if, yeah if all the people that needed remote patient monitoring got devices and they got them into the home and the system was set up, it would be a $3.3 billion savings to the German healthcare system. Yeah, yeah, based on the published evidence of patient remote monitoring in the academic literature. And have you guys produced a report on that? That's fascinating that you- Yeah, you, yeah we've yeah. done it for, actually, we've done it for, I think it was 25, 26 categories, right? From online appointment booking to, uh, digital therapeutics and patient remote monitoring, then this was one category. Right? So in that sense, 
um, we went through like five, 600 uh, academic papers on e-health and uh, sort of classified it, uh, modeled it out and, and linked it to the, the spend buckets of the, the health system. Right, but uh, coming back to the DGAS, um, that is then, of course, when I look at Germany, right, I, I look at um, I look at five categories, um, usually at different European countries. The, the first one is, um, where do we stand on electronic patient records? The second one is, where do we stand on e-prescription? The third one is, where do we stand on telemedicine or teleconsultations? The fourth one is, where do we stand on patient remote monitoring? And the fifth one is, where do we stand on digital therapeutics? Right, and if we then do a cross-country comparison in Europe, right, then we have for the electronic patient record, Germany is still in catch up mode, right? Uh, we sort of started it. And um, I think as of January mm -hmm. this year, right, all of the public health insurances need to provide these uh, electronic patient record apps. But the uh, downloads so far have been uh, uh, pretty uh, pretty low. But so there, I would say there are other countries in, uh, in Europe that are <clears throat> further ahead, right? Sweden, UK, a lot further ahead. But then the second what? category, prescription, Sorry, Tobias, just, just a quick up. question. Sorry yeah. to just interrupt there, uh, Tobias. Um, there was, a, I think, the N26 founder started a company in Germany that was trying to help, like, Allianz work. Uh, I, don't, I can't remember the name, but that was sort of, I think, an attempt, right? And I think there were some challenges around, I'll call it trust, right? Uh, people's trust around a lot of this. So yeah, I don't know if you're from the, yeah. Yeah, you know, there was first of all, what was then sort of what is the, the legal and regulatory framework, right? Then the second piece is, of course, also what is the, the, the actual technical infrastructure, right? And what of the technical infrastructure needs to then be provided by whom, right? What is provided by the, the yeah. technological agency of the country? What is provided by the health insurances, right? What is then provided by digital health? So in that sense, it's quite a, a complicated um, setup, right? Yeah. And, and they are... Um, yeah, sort of Germany is sort of catching up on both um, electronic patient records uh, and its usage, right? And e-prescription, we, we just sort of started the e-prescription pilots uh, uh, 1st of July um, this year, they are in, in pilot stage, right? And if we then look at the digital therapeutic category, um, which is then the DGA process, right? That's the one out of the five categories where then Germany is sort of the, the front runner Leading, worldwide yeah. right, by having that integrated regulatory and reimbursement uh, a pathway. Who do you think, you, you, like, like if you look at this, who do you think wins, right? Like if you think on the digital, the, the most modernized digital health European country in five years from now, like, you know, that has like... Estonia. You think it's Estonia? <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, it... I think we need to also put some parameters around how many people live in that country, right? And not to say everything is relative, right? But I think to like organize from, a, yeah, I, I actually would, my, my bet would actually be on like Netherlands. And maybe really? I'm biased. I don't know. I just, uh, I, to be honest, I don't have like enough data points. I'm not tracking all, all the EU countries, uh, yeah. right? But I, I feel like, I feel like the, you know, I feel like the UK and Germany are the most robust in terms of their approach and the most complicated and slow, right? <laughs> like, you know, like, so, you know, meaning they, they just so thorough in their thinking and they're so robust and they actually have infrastructure and then that, then they end up in all kinds of, you know, there's trouble implementing, right? So they can't operate deftly. Like, yeah. Netherlands is a good bet. What do you think? What do you think, Tobias? Who do you think wins, like, in the digital health battle of, well, 
Yeah. You know, the, the, the last really thorough um, cross-country comparison was done by the Battlesman Foundation end of 2018. And there, Estonia was number one, Canada oh. was number two, uh, Denmark was number three, Israel, I think, was number four, and Spain was number five out of 17. So, um, so yeah, really I guess, uh, Eugene, with your Estonia bet, you are you are pretty uh, pretty good. <laughs> but who are you betting on? Who are you betting on, Tobias? In the, in the next five years or whatever, it's next 2021, right? Yeah, 2025. It's a, it, yeah, you, you know, Jim, it's a, it's a great question. And I think it, it, you know, depends a bit what we are looking at, right? If we look at that fourth category that, um, that we talked about a bit earlier, how do we reimagine our health systems from a precision medicine uh, perspective, right? And how do we bring also stuff like genomics into play, right? Then I would say Denmark is, um, is pretty far um, in the game. Yeah. But what I find <clears throat> that I'm not sure um, 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 if you covered that in your, your series that, right? But what I find cool about the National Genome Center in Denmark, right? They thought about it. How do we actually want to serve our citizens with this? Right, um, and then the different pieces of the puzzle is uh, the genomic sequencing labs. Then there are secret sort of terror-proof biobanks where this whole material is being stored. Then there is a supercomputer that is then crunching the numbers. Then they've thought about a layer of clinical decision support, right? So that Jim, if you are my, my Danish doctor in Copenhagen and I'm your Danish patient, right? That you actually have tools to interrogate my data, right? And what does this now mean if Tobias has this kind of mutation? And uh, then okay, there's also a plan to then um, sort of track outcomes over time, right? And that could actually be really cool from a health system perspective, right? If we then say, okay, there was this cohort of, I don't know, 10,000 people with that kind of cancer. And, and here is the different interventions that were done and sort of looking back after five years or 10 years, where do we stand, right? Uh, which are the interventions that work best in our country? I think, I think the analysis that should be done is you should take the quality of the airport, <laughs> the quality of the airport, <laughs> And that's going to be the best predictor of the quality of the <laughs> And if that's the case, it's definitely Copenhagen. De definitely Denmark is going to win that one. So we're not men we're not mentioning the new Berlin airport then, right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I know, I know. I, I don't remember who was a guest. Like, stop mentioning it. Like, they actually got ticked off at me, I think. Yeah. Um, well, Ireland's yeah. Making, Ireland has a chance only because Health Beacon's here. And we're going to help transform the Irish healthcare system. That's my my Yeah, I like it. But Tobias, so, yeah. so, so, um, so, yeah. We're under like Eugene has to go run his like you and I are. In the yeah, evening. we 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 actually you guys are in the evening, unfortunately, and I'm not trying to cut us, but uh, Marina so, and I have back to back so, VC meetings so, right after this. So, so so for like a, a simple, elegant piece of advice for a young entrepreneur that is living in Berlin, that's a former biochemist that used to be a consultant <laughs> that's married to an English woman and that decides to go out on his own. You know, despite the fact that he has two kids and decides to go on and start his own company, what advice would you give that young entrepreneur right now setting up a digital healthcare company? Well, I would, I would, that's a very good question. Um, and by the way, the, my wife is waiting. We'll, uh, we'll hang out this evening on, on Wednesday. Excellent. Evening. Um, um, so, um, yeah, but I, I think, um, I think what, what, is exciting is then really the, the, the patient angle, right? And it might sound uh, trivial, but um, working with some of the nonprofits in the patient um, organization space, right? Um, where I often do a bit of coaching um, just to sort of help the, these people, right? I find it fascinating 
how many patients and patient organizations right are only contacted when sort of the the digital yep. health solution is 99% done right and uh, you know i I hear that over and over again from the patient leaders that I that I work with and that I know, right? That um, why don't people ask us a lot earlier, right? And why do they come with a pretty much finished product? Right? Often, then the the company has won one or two awards, right? And are very proud, and they pretty much come to the patient organization and to say, look what cool stuff we have done, right? And and how we can now help you, right? Um, and usually, it 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 doesn't really hit the mark with the patient. Maybe I'm I'm working with very critical patients, right? But uh, that's a theme that I hear and that's uh, the kind of advice that we could give maybe not only that Berlin person. Yeah, I I mean, fully, 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 fully agree. And I think uh, it was Lucian Engeland that kind of uh, back in the days and there was like a hashtag patients included. And I just, you know, uh, just a quick shout out to Jen at Savvy Coop, uh, I don't, uh, co-op. I don't know if you guys know them. I think they've been some, built some amazing stuff. So uh, really, really good advice. Um, and <clears throat> for the millions of listeners and viewers, hit that subscribe button again. Make sure you subscribe, pass yeah. this on. And thank you, Tobias. Uh, and enjoy your evening Tobias. with your wife. Enjoy your evening thank with you. your wife. <clears throat> Thanks for nice having me. You. Nice to meet you, Jim.